I came to this conference in 1996. Came into the conference office in 2000. And I grew to appreciate Elder Gallimore very much. He was a colleague. He was my president. He was also my prayer partner. And uh, we spent many hours in prayer. When we um, weren't quite sure what to do, we went to our knees. I, uh, in talking about a direction for this conference, am in no way talking about going a totally different direction than we've been headed. Because the Lord is leading us. But as we draw closer to Christ's coming, and as the challenges come upon us, we have to clarify our focus. We have to redirect our resources to meet the needs that are pressing in around us. So when I was elected president and asked if I would take that position, I went to my knees. The Lord impressed me with a couple of things. First of all, he impressed me that it's too big a job for me. I don't have the skill, the wisdom to do what needs to be done. But he assured me that he will supply all of our needs. And if we can remember who's in charge, we'll be successful. And so with that assurance and confidence in God, I said, Lord, what do I do? How do I move a conference? And he impressed me with the fact that you don't move anything. Well, then what do I do? And he impressed me with my... My people are not ready. Too many of us profess to be Seventh-day Adventists, but the practice is not there. Lord, what can I do about that? And he impressed me that 
we need to become more familiar and acquainted intimately with our message. Because it's our message that leads to Christ. And when we find Christ, then we have a mission. And if our message isn't clear, our mission isn't clear. If we have a half-hearted message, we have no clear focus of where we're going. But when we clearly understand our message, it's not my mother's, it's not my father's, it's not my pastor's, it's not my church's, it's mine. I own it because God gave it to me. Now that message is the lens in which I look at everything I do in my life and in the church. It has a way of clarifying my priorities. For now, when I see something that isn't leading me to a closer walk with Christ, I lead, no, I don't want to do that. It's not bad. It's just, it's just not helping me where I need to go. So I'm going to set that aside and I'm going to focus on those things that are drawing me ever closer to Christ so that I have a greater desire a hunger for his righteousness, his holiness. Now it's not about me reaching or achieving some level of perfection. Now it's about pleasing my God. And when I understand that there's not one moment of the day, I can be without him. So that changes my whole attitude. Not just my priorities, but now my attitude. Now my attitude is, what can I get? My attitude changes and says, Lord, what more can I do for you? What can I give? What can I do? Now it's not my resources, it's God's resources because I belong to him. Now if he wants me to give, I give. Now if he wants me to go, I go. If he wants me to embrace, I embrace. Now I'm under the direction of my God. God's telling us that our priorities have got to come in place, but no man can tell us that. No man can dictate anything to you. There's that spirit within us that says, don't tell me what to do. Who are you? Look at all the faults that you have. What right do you have to tell me to do that? And you know what? They're right. It's only God that can direct that kind of thing. But when we are living for Christ, we become a living witness of what Christ can do in our life. And now, what unity, what purpose, what drive we have Lord, impress me with this. You have two eyes, one perspective. That's not enough. The Bible says there's wisdom in a multitude of counselors. You need to draw people close to you. So now I draw my two officers close to me, godly men. But each of them only have two eyes and one perspective. That makes a total of three. 
That's not enough. That's not a very big multitude. And so the Lord impressed me. We've got to do something more. So I invited the officers to go with me to Camp Asalvo. And we spent time in prayer and in the word of God. Lord, what would you have us do? What direction should we go? What changes do you want made? It's not about being conservative. It's not about being liberal. It's about being faithful. Nowhere in the Bible will you find a, a statement that says you have to be conservative in order to go to heaven or you have to be liberal in order to go to heaven. But it does say you have to be faithful. And if we're faithful and someone says, oh, those conservatives over there, so what? I'm not pleasing those. I'm pleasing my God. And if somebody says, look at those guys, they're too liberal about this so what? I want to be faithful to my God. I want to be liberal in grace. So when we got back, we invited the pastors who want, we have already set aside, I don't know if you know this or not, but for, for several years, we've set a time and we've invited the pastors to come up to Camp Osalo for a time of fasting and prayer that the Holy Spirit would have his way in this conference. And when we went, there was, when we had it planned, that was that time when there was a snowstorm out of season. You remember that? Here in Michigan, we know that. That was the day. 50 pastors came in the middle of that snowstorm, 30 and 40 miles an hour. And we went to our knees. And we studied our message. The 28 fundamental beliefs are the framework of our relationship with Christ. They are not to be in any way diminished. But God gave a special message for his people to give to the world. First of all, it must go to them. It's called three angels message. And if we aren't familiar with that three angels message, it can have no effect on us. And yet it's that three angels message that prepares God's people to be able to see Jesus in the clouds. You go to the three, three angels message, you know they're in Revelation 14. But if you go to Revelation 14, 12, you'll find that that is part of the third angels message here are the patience of the saints here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus that's in response 
to the message that was given earlier in Revelation 3 when it was talking about the Laodicean message, 1718, when God says, come and buy of me gold and tried in the fire, that's that faith of Jesus. Come and buy of me that white raiment, that's the righteousness of Christ. Right doing is law keeping, God's law keeping keeping the commandments. And you put those two things together and that is the message that we've got to know. We've got to live. We've got to give. And we can't give it if we aren't living it. Otherwise, we're just professing it and it's theory. It's not practice. And until our practice and our profession come together, we don't have a strong message. And when we have that strong message of God, Satan himself can't refute it. Because it's living testimony of what God said is true. Came back. Actually, at the end of that study time, we had invited directors to come. And we went to our knees, your departmental directors and the officers. Lord, what would you have us do? How can we work as a conference that moves and directs as one? We don't have just one department doing this and one department doing that. Good stuff. But how can we work together as one? And we came back and we have, an, and we have a, a very God-given executive committee. A committee that has wrestled with a lot of things. And when I came back and I shared with them that we really need to focus in on our direction that we're having. They were willing to go to Camp Asabal in the middle of the week and spend time. So we did. As an executive committee, the highest committee of authority in this conference in between constituency sessions. Went to our knees and we studied the three angels' message and focused on that third angel. And when we were done with that, we came to the conclusion that whatever decisions we make as a conference, it has to be looked at through the lens of that three angels' message. When we spend money, is it going towards the direction that we need to go? When we make changes or adjustments, is that helping us in our mission? If it's not, then it was good, but we're not doing it. We can't do it. And as we assess things that we're already doing, if it isn't leading us to that focused area, then we've got to change it. Came back. Met with our staff. Spent the whole day in God's Word. On our knees. Dedicating ourselves to the service of God. Then we went to our district soups, superintendents. 
This conference is divided into 12 different districts, and each district has a pastor that oversees that district. They all come together once a month for a meeting with us to coordinate this conference. We study that same message, came to that same conclusion. Our next step is this summer when all of our pastors come together for our pastoral meeting, annual meeting. It's going to be one like none other. We're going to have our Bibles open and we're going to review what we already know. But with the eye salve of the Holy Spirit, we're going to see things we've never seen before because God's promised it. So if you start to hear from the pulpit the emphasis on the three angels and especially the third angel, you'll know why. If you start to read publications, whether it's, whether it's in the memo from me or someone else, and you see the emphasis, you'll know why. We have got to be serious about our message. But we can't leave the teachers out. And so we are moving in a direction where we can meet with the teachers. Now this summer, they are all going to be in a national meeting. So we don't have the opportunity to meet with them at Camp Asable. But our new superintendent, who I praise the Lord for, is carving out some time where we can spend with them in teacher uh, orientation. It's not orientation, it's in service. We don't want to leave anyone out. Great Lakes is not able to come to that in service. We have a principal here at this academy that I appreciate very much who is involved with us in that process who has invited us to do the same thing for the Great Lakes Academy staff. Everything that we do as a conference is going to be moving in this direction. We don't want to leave you out. You are a part. Not just a part. You are the majority part. And together we can accomplish incredible things through the power of God. Now I want to talk to you about uh, I want to talk to you about uh, some changes that we have made. I've already told you about the direction that we're headed, but some changes that we were made in order to reach that. We know that uh, for some time we've been moving in this direction. We had at one point three full-time evangelists that moved from place to place doing incredible work of evangelism. But we realized that part of the preparation for Christ's coming is to in be involved because as you get involved in sharing the gospel, it sharpens the gospel in our own minds. And as you depend upon God, as you're, as you're sharing the faith, God gives us greater understanding. In fact, 
the sealing of God is as simple as settling ourselves, God settling us into the truth. When we've come to the point where we know the truth, God puts his stamp on us, so to speak, symboling that this person has a mind like me. So we know that evangelism is very important. We don't want to not do it. We just want to involve everyone in it, and especially the pastors leading out. And the lay ones, you who are helping, we want to encourage, and may you increase in number. We had a very much loved and very effective evangelists that retired this year. Many of you know Dan Tower. Dan and Patsy were a wonderful team, still are a wonderful team. But there comes a time in life where you switch gears, and they did. When they did, we decided as an executive committee that instead of replacing that evangelist to go out and do evangelists, we wanted to replace that person with a trainer to train others in churches to do evangelism. As many of you know, Emmanuel Institute has been a part of this conference for about 10 years, training people to give Bible studies. Mark Howard is doing our early morning session. He's also helping to teach in, uh, in the AFCO Emmanuel uh, Enterprise this week. But he was also the senior pastor here at Cedar Lake, and so we had to make a hard decision. But we made it. For what we believe, the good of the whole conference. And we moved him from that position into the office on, as an associate in the, in the uh, personal ministries department and Sabbath school. Because we believe that personal ministries is, is needed if we're going to be effective in evangelism because personal ministries gets us involved personally. Amen. We also understand that Sabbath school is was originally intended to be both an in-reach and an outreach. It was a time in which God's people came together and studied collectively the Word of God. We want to get back to that focus of Sabbath school being an outreach as well as an in-reach. And so we want, wanted to have someone who could focus on that and lead in that area. And so we asked Cameron DeVazier to come and be in charge of personal ministries and Sabbath school, and he's going to focus on Sabbath school. You'll see things in this conference that will be leading us towards outreach in that Sabbath school department. It's a wonderful privilege for us as a church, world church, to study topics together. Elder Mark Howard will focus with Emmanuel's training in on personal ministries. They'll do this together, but each of them needs a focus. 
But then we also have Wes Pampers. And he is going to be he, he's going to be in charge of evangelism. And so he will wrap all of those together because personal ministry, Sabbath school, and evangelism all need to be intertwined together to be most effective. He's also an associate in ministerial department with Elder Royce Snayman, which we all love, who will also be a part. Those changes we have made not so that we can have more people in the office, but so that we can, instead of having you go to Emmanuel, have Emmanuel go to you as churches. Elder Wes Peppers has already started that. Many of you already know he's already come with those trainings. When he's left those trainings, those who were there already had Bible studies in place when he left. That personal touch is imperative if we're going to be effective. No, just Not just theory, but we've got to actually practice it. And you know what I found? I found that if I try to be bold because I want to be bold, I'm as weak as a kitten. But if I have discovered the message and the love of God is burning within my heart, I don't have to think about being bold because it just sort of comes up. And instead of thinking about me, I'm thinking about someone else. And it drives me to do things. You know how it was with your own children when they were growing up. If they needed something, no matter how tired or, or busy you were, you found a way to do it. And you didn't begrudge them for it. You did it because you loved them. Love has got to be the motivating factor in everything that we do. And when we have the love of God in us, there's a boldness that comes that's not arrogant and it's not obnoxious because it's, it's, it's wrapped. It, it is the love of God. God is there. He gives tact. He gives eloquence if it needs it. And if it doesn't, he makes it eloquent in the heart of the hearer. We also, um, we also made a few adjustments. I'm looking at the time. We also made a few adjustments at Great Lakes, not because we had to but, or wanted to, but because um, some integral pieces of Great Lakes uh, were missing. Why were they missing? Because God moved them from one place to another. They accepted a call, they received a call, and they uh, took that call. Greg Levitt was someone who had been here for 20 plus years. We loved him as, as the treasure here in the, in the academy, did an outstanding job. Him and Arlene, Arlene was in the uh, recruiting area, she did a marvelous job. We hated to see them, it was with tears that we said goodbye to him, but God calls and you, what can you do but say God bless you? as you leave, created a huge hole here. Casey Norcross, who was the vice principal, is also, uh, her whole skill level is in accounting. And she lights up when you talk to her about accounting. And so we moved her from there to the treasury spot, which left an opening in the vice principal position. 
Matt Hill was in the boys' dorm. We felt impressed that he should come over to the vice principal position. And so as the Great Lakes Executive Committee met, of which I'm a chair and of which the principal is a part and the officers are a part of it, and then we have the educational superintendent and we have youth directors are on there. As we prayed about that, we felt that Matt should go there and, and Matt accepted that call. The hands also retired, which left an opening here in development and also in the girls' dorm. And so that position was filled in the same way. Tracy Morgan is going to be in as the the, the recruiting and developmental director. Tina Glenn is coming over to be a full-time assistant in the girls' dorm. Many of you know my sister is the girls' dean. I think she's a fantastic girls' dean. <laughs> it's not a surprise because she's much older than I am, and so she's my second mother. So I'm used to her. <laughs> a woman is blessed with wisdom. And when I was young, I thought she had a strong hand. <laughs> that left the boys' dorm open. And providentially, in a way that I can't even take time to explain to you, God moved on the heart of a pastor in this conference, called him, Dale Sheridan, to be the boys' dean. Dale Sheridan has been on his knees with us in prayer, trying to embrace what God would have us to do as a conference. I know it's not by accident that he's going into that boy's dean position. Aaron Cruz is going to be the new Bible teacher. Godly young man. Has a tremendous talent for taking and breaking down difficult things and sharing them very simply. I don't know exactly how God's going to move in this conference, but his assurance is that he's going to be with us. In our time of prayer as we go to our knees I want to invite you to pray that the Holy Spirit will have his way in first of all you and then this conference that we will be faithful that we will faithfully preach the message not just in word but in action not just when somebody's there to listen, but when no one's there. Because you don't know who's going to hear. You don't know who's going to see. And you don't do it for someone else. You do it because of God, your love for God. But that we might remove every obstacle that inhibits the Holy Spirit from having full place in our lives. God's promise is that if we ask for the Holy Spirit, He will give it to us.
So I want to encourage you to ask for the Holy Spirit, not just for this moment. We need him moment by moment. But that he will direct and have his way in this conference so that when Jesus comes, we'll be one of those ones that says, this is our God. We waited for him and he's going to save us. And we won't be alone because we'll have those who we have encouraged and inspired with us. We're going to go to our knees, groups of twos. You know, I think I'm going to do something different. Groups of one. Two in the sense that it's you and the Lord. Just bow your own heads. Search your own hearts. God reads every prayer. It can be a moment of silence. You can pray out loud if you want to, but I would encourage you just to pray within your own confines of your mind. You and God. Dedicate yourself to God. Ask God to have his way in this conference. And when the music stops, I'll have a corporate prayer for, for us. Let's go to our knees. Father in heaven, we bow in your presence, recognizing that you are our God. We want to submit ourselves lovingly to you in reverence that can only go to you. Lord, we belong to you, and yet we act as if we own ourselves. I want to thank you for that Laodicean message that you gave to us out of love to wake us up, to realize that, that we're not rich and increased with goods and in need of nothing, but instead we are destitute of your holiness. Our level of holiness is so low, we don't have that clear picture of who you are. But Lord, open up our eyes as you promised that you would with that eye said, that we might see you high and lifted up. And as we see you high and lifted up and we see that holiness and perfection, we see that purity and goodness that we realize that we are no, not even close. May we fall on our face as Isaiah did with the realization that you are God and we are sinners. And in that moment of recognition, Father, I know that you come in with a message from that, it's, it's like you put that little coal off the altar and you put it on Isaiah's lips. That's what we want. You give us what we need. You give us the faith of Jesus, that connection with you that cannot be broken. You give us his righteousness to be able to keep the commandments of God as he kept the commandments of God. You prepare us so that we can be with you without any barrier of sin. That we will be ready to see and be with you forever and always. And you also give us the opportunity of being able to share the good news of what you've promised to do in a life to everyone we come in contact. So, Lord, we want to embrace this message, first of all, ourselves. We want to ask that you would give us another portion of your Holy Spirit, one for us, but one for others, that outpouring of the latter rain, that we might have the power from you 
to give that message the way it should be. A living testimony of what you can do. So Father, I want to ask your blessing upon each one here. Father, I want to ask your blessing upon our conference. We recognize that you are the leader. And where you want us to go, we want to follow. We want to do this to honor Jesus, our Savior. And it's in his name that we pray these things. But Father, I also want to ask for a special blessing tonight. As Doug Batchelor preaches, I pray that your Holy Spirit would energize in him a way that, that will speak to our hearts. Touch us. Lord, the, the priorities in our own lives need to change. And as he speaks tonight, you please speak to us. Touch us personally. Personalize that sermon for us. When we leave here today, Lord, may we sense your presence in a powerful way, not to live by feeling, but just to know that you are God and the changes that need to be play, take place in our lives that you will direct and organize and give us the strength to make that we might honor our Savior. In his name we pray. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse a website dedicated to spreading God's Word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.